Welcome to the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg. I'm Harold Nickel, and this week we're going to discuss corporate governance, and more specifically, governance as it relates to the cruise industry, which is a big part of the travel and vacation industry. But before we get too deeply into this topic, Ren, let's talk for a few minutes and review what corporate governance is for us. Sure. Uh, the simplest and probably most straightforward definition is it is the policies, practices, and processes that an organization has to assure and protect stakeholder value. And stakeholders, remember, is a pretty broad term, so it's not just um, shareholders, but also um, the value that employees get from um, the organization, the value from that customers get, um, the community. Um, it's definitely, or excuse me, deliberately defined broadly mm-hmm. that way so that we remember as leaders um, to be good corporate citizens and partners and not just pursue stakeholder value at the expense of everyone else. Yeah, that's well said. Um, being a responsible corporate neighbor is um, a broad topic. And specifically, the cruise industry has some troubling issues. It seems like there are some just odd and even mysterious disappearances on board cruise ships. And what's worse is the cruise industry seems to have a tendency to stonewall investigations of crimes that occur while their ships are at sea. There are a number of troubling details about the cruise ship industry, such as that they take the legal position that they're under no obligation to investigate a crime, whether it's a disappearance, a sexual assault, or even a robbery that happens on one of their ships. Where does the legal position end and responsibility to the customers start? Well, from a purely governance standpoint, the legal position should be secondary. And the responsibility to the customer starts at the time that they make the offer. And that's true of regardless of any industry, right? When we go into a store and they say we can come into their store and shop, the um, implied contract is that that is a safe place for us to shop. Mm-hmm that we're not going to walk into a store that's deteriorating and we're going to be tripping over broken tiles on the floor and things aren't going to be falling on our heads from the ceiling, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. The cruise industry, um, at the time of offer, and if we look at their ads and, and everything, they actually have a pretty high bar that they set as far as their implied safety and entertainment value. And if you're being assaulted or robbed or just disappear from the ship, you're not getting that value Mm. from that um, industry. And the problem the industry has is um, very antiquated laws. And instead of fighting to change or, yeah, fighting to change the laws, they're fighting any and all changes. I mean, these laws that they're governed under are more than 200 years old. In some cases, they're six or seven hundred years old. Wow. 
they just do not apply to anything modern today. And this industry has spent a lot of money in a very, very long time fighting against any changes to these laws and the regulations that would improve the industry as a whole. And it's one of the things that in the travel industry, and I remember my days when I used to work for a company that did travel, mm. um, the travel industry is not protecting the cruise ships and the cruise companies because they've been warning against this since the 80s. And so they just, you watch them on the news and they just kind of step out of the way and they're like, yep, guys, go at them. Because they've been trying to get the cruise industry to change their way and change their way of thinking because it's such an antiquated way of thinking uh, for decades. Yeah, your your description, I mean, it's worse, <laughs> it's worse than I thought. I mean, I don't know that there were a lot of pleasure cruises 600 years ago. Um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but on top of, you know, that the the companies and their ships are not all of them but a lot of them are registered in foreign countries and that makes criminal investigations the responsibility of those host nations and allows companies to not just avoid law enforcement but from paying US taxes and that's on top of the fact that there are up to 21 different American government agencies that have some kind of jurisdiction over um, cru the cruise industry. What parts of governance and expectations by the cruising public are not met because of these policies? The most basic is safety and security. Mm -hmm. There are some pretty significant um, financial things as well. I mean, it's well known. Well, actually, I don't, it's well known within the industry. I don't know if it's well known with the consumer base, but the cruising industry has set things up so that if you have an emergency or an unfortunate event in your life, mm -hmm. they financially benefit from that. So if you can't take your cruise for whatever reason, you can't get a refund. You don't get to sell it to someone else, mm. but they sell your cabin. So they get paid twice. Oh, for man. your cabin. And they specifically structured it this way. And this has been something that the travel industry has been fighting against, again, since the 80s, if not longer. Um, because that reflects very poorly on the travel agents. And that's why so many travel agents have stopped doing cruise packages. Huh. Because if somebody has a, a funeral and you had your flight to a cruise and then you had your cruise the airline will almost always refund it or will give you a credit that you can use for another time. That's right. Most of the time, actually, what they'll do is they'll say, oh, well, let's rebook to the funeral you need to go to, and we won't charge you any fees. Mm. Right? The cruise industry doesn't have any compassion at all. They actually look at it as an opportunity, and you can almost see the little dollar signs in their eyes like in cartoons, right? Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, you can't come in our cruise? Then that means we get to sell your cabin. Um, and that is an incredibly painful message for your travel agent to have to communicate to you. And they hate doing it. They know it's fraud. Yeah. 
Because it is. Yeah. Collecting twice for the exact same service or product is fraud. Absolutely. And they also know, the travel agents also know, there's nothing anybody can do about it right now. So there's multiple layers here, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Travel agents um, are really uncomfortable having to tell you that as soon as you get on that cruise, if it is not a U.S. ship, which there are very, very, very few, um, then you have lost, as soon as you board, you've lost your legal rights. Man. And that's a scary thing to tell people, but it's the truth. And so travel, that, you know, they don't like, the travel industry doesn't like telling you that, but it's the truth. And then, of course, the, the other issues, the lack of compassion, the lack of just basic customer-centric capitalist behavior. I mean, you just don't rip people off if you expect people to be loyal customers. And this is an industry that is highly dependent on repeat business. Yeah, I, I, you know, you see the the ads for cruising, and um, man, it looks like fun. But mm-hmm. you, you know, frankly, I you don't have to scratch very hard or very long to find that that there are a lot of these kinds of issues, and along with that, a lot of former FBI and Coast Guard officials who after their careers in government and find employment with cruise ship companies and thus end up with veterans of those agencies really working against efforts to hold the cruise industry accountable for not just shortcomings but in some cases crimes it seems like it would it wouldn't pass the smell test or the red face test for any <laughs> other industry. What do you think? Well, actually, it's pretty common across a majority of industries. Um, And there were um, very structured and successful attempts in the 90s to stem that. So we had, for instance, military personnel going and becoming executives for military contractors. Mm -hmm. Um, We had um, financial services regulators uh, going and working for the banks. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, during the early 2000s, almost all those regulations uh, were dismantled. So they were successful, and so they were gotten away with. Um, and we've seen in multiple industries the impact. So in financial services, everybody knows that this was a huge uh, root cause for the 2008-2010 financial collapse. Mm. We know today, it was spoken about uh, very recently on the local news in Oklahoma, that this um, incestuous relationship is part of why the fracking industry has gotten so out of hand in Oklahoma and is causing uh, the average two earthquakes a day. there, it is a huge problem that's not just the cruising industry, right. um, but if the specific use, issues for the cruising industry, as you said, is they're hiring former law enforcement people. Often, according to those law enforcement people, they're told that they're going to actually be able to come in and clean up these problems. But then they're put in a position where they're actually forced to hide them, deny them, 
and impede any and all attempts to investigate the crime. Oh, man. And that's one of the reasons why this industry is known for a pretty constant churn um, in their security um, forces. Because they do hire these people who have these great intentions, and then they don't let them do their jobs, and so they're either exited or they exit themselves. Mm-hmm. Some some recent things, like with former Coast Guard officials, is because remember this this is across the board the the lack of just basic governance in, in the industries across the board. So we've talked about safety issues as far as crime. But this is the industry with the highest incidence of um, foodborne um, illnesses. No kidding. They've had they've had huge problems where their ships have lost power and been stranded in the middle of the ocean and have to be rescued and towed back to shore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what is becoming increasingly difficult for the nations where they. Um, are hosted, and she said is, so Liberia is a big one, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, the bill recently for the U.S. Coast Guard to um, go out and rescue a stranded ship in the Gulf of Mexico and um, bring them back to the United States, that bill went to Liberia. Okay, and the payment came through no problem, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> somehow I doubt that. But also the people of Liberia... It's one of the poorest nations in the world. So uh, how exactly are they supposed to pay these bills? Well, they and it prob- can't. And so it's the American taxpayer. We're the ones who keep getting stuck with these. It's the same thing as the ship that had, um, what was it, Salmonella? I'm trying to remember. It was last summer. Oh, yeah. I remember? And there were some... You know, less than flattering descriptions of it as the poop ship and other things in the news. Um, And we're the ones who paid for the health care for all those individuals. We did. Which I am fine with because I hate to see anyone not receive health care that they need. But what I have a problem with is it's at the cost of this industry that has been neglecting their fiduciary responsibility to their customers and frankly, to the people who, us, the American people who are providing these services. Yeah, um, I remember the the two examples that you cited, the ship that was stranded out in the Gulf of Mexico adrift, and, and of course, the famous poop ship. And um, yeah, it, it's a memorable vacation, but memorable for all the all wrong All the wrong ways, ways. yeah. <laughs> and, and there's websites that are completely devoted to the bad behavior of cruise lines and two that are more noteworthy are um, internationalcruisevictims.org and cruiselawnews.com and when I was looking at them I learned that the Coast Guard and the FBI both keep statistics on crimes that occur aboard these ships but what I read was that they're thought to be extremely low because the cruise industry isn't really known for being as forthcoming as as it might be. Doesn't the cruise industry have a responsibility to the traveling public to be more transparent? Um, we think so, and we believe so, and that's one of the 
you know, principles of um, free market capitalism, mm-hmm. actually, um, to make a, a small distinction from other forms of capitalism. But um, free market really emphasizes transparency. Right. Um, luckily, we live at a time when, because of the Internet, we do have more access to this information. Um, the FBI and the Coast Guard are somewhat limited because they can really, they're only can definitively track the uh, the events that they're directly involved. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, they're dependent on the cruise industry for the rest of the information. And what they found is the cruise industry isn't reporting back to them even the events that they were directly involved. So the Coast Guard says, and actually the one the ship that was towed in that was not reported back to them in the annual compliance report good heavens and the coast guard's like hey we towed you in we know this happened why is this not on your annual report um so you know there's been times when they've they've caught this industry in under reporting events and that's why you know somewhat ironically, um, the Coast Guard and the FBI are more dependent on the consumer reporting, So, like the websites you mentioned, Mm -hmm. than they are on the industry. Because now what they have to do, though, is they have to sift through that and figure out where the duplicate reports. So it's a lot more work and analysis for them, but they found that it's far more accurate than the reporting you're getting from the cruise industry. Which is a shame because um, if you're going to go essentially live on somebody else's ship for a week at a time, you want to feel like you can trust the people that you're hiring to carry you, but it it doesn't sound like any of that happens. And there's legislation about the cruise industry that's currently before Congress. And I found this quote when I was getting ready to talk about this, it says, and this is from the U.S. Coast Guard, that, and this is the quote, physical and sexual assault is a serious problem that creates significant challenges for vessel medical staff and vessel security personnel as they attempt to treat the victim and collect evidence for legal purposes. I don't recall ever reading that about any other industry what are your thoughts about the federal government's role and new laws that would cover cruising? Well, and it, it's both. It's not just the laws, but it's also the, re- the responsibility and the accountability of the industry. So way back machine, right? We remember in the 70s and the 80s when things like Club Bed and stuff like that were being um, introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, the theme parks started to create their own hotels, so families were now staying on site for days instead of just a day. Right. And we, they had the same thing in their hotels. They had a dramatic increase in physical and sexual assaults. And that industry took this very, very seriously. And they completely changed their hiring practices and their screening practices. The whole industry did. They changed door locks. They changed, um, I mean, you used to be able to just walk up and say, can I have, I need the room key for 104. Right. 
can't do that anymore, right? You know, yeah. they they put in place these security measures. They put in the special locks that you can add, you know, close it for yourself and not even an employee could get in. Right. Uh, they went and said, how do we make sure that people feel safe and secure and they are safe and secure on our property? Because they didn't want people to be afraid. Right. Because they know that if people are afraid, they're going to stop coming. They're going to stop staying. And that's what the cruise industry did not do, has not done. They haven't taken this seriously. And now, I mean, I just saw an article on the morning news the other day. They were joking about how the cruise industry can't give away cabins. Of course not. Huh. When you're when you're thinking about your family vacation, are you thinking, well, you know, I want to gamble on whether or not I'm going to get an intestinal disease. Do I want to take my kids on this cruise where something, you know, a crime may commit, be committed against them or against us? Mm-hmm. Do I really want to be in a ship where people fall off the ship and no one knows until they dock? Yeah. Well, no, you know, we're captives and we're also a very small group of people who can afford cruises anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you can afford a cruise, you can afford to do a different type of vacation. It feels a lot safer. Yep. And if it feels safe, then you get to focus on your time and attention on having fun. Yeah. Focus on fun and not... um the other things is uh, is really something, and passengers on cruise vessels seem to have an inadequate appreciation for how vulnerable they are to crime while they're on an ocean cruise, and those who may be victimized lack the information they need to understand what their legal rights are or know who to contact for help in the immediate aftermath of a crime. And so with the time we have left this week, Ren, what advice do you have for the cruise industry? A few things. I mean, really, a lot of people are looking at this as saying this is bad crisis management Mm -hmm. on the part of the cruise industry. And I think what we've talked about here is it's bigger than that. This is just systemic poor governance because it shouldn't matter and it didn't matter to the hotel industry mm-hmm. when they were faced with the same issue. They didn't sit around and wait for regulations. Right. They said, what do we need to do to make our customers feel safe? And that is how the hospita- hospitality industry is supposed to work as a whole whether it's restaurants, hotels, airlines, etc. And the cruise industry has lost sight of that. And really, as an industry, I recommend they have, like, if, if it was up to me, I would take the leader of the, the leaders of the six cruise industries and say, we need to have a conference focused just on governance and nothing else. Hmm. And how we're going to reestablish our relationship with our stakeholders. That's uh, quite an invitation. Um, I wonder if any of them would would take you up on that. I think some of them, like Carnival, 
you know, maybe a couple others are Norwegian, are in a place where they have so many empty cabins, they might actually consider it. Huh. Well, I remember, Ren, something you said on a previous podcast was that you could vote for the world that you wanted by spending your money in places that you support. And it sounds to me like the the democracy that is capitalism will catch up with the cruise lines if law enforcement... If it hasn't already, to yeah. some degree. <laughs> yeah, if it hasn't already. Because, I mean, right. we're already seeing that. I mean, if Disney is at a point where they're not selling out their ships... Oh, man. We know the industry has has some issues, and, and Disney had that problem, um, you know, because we just wrapped up uh, the cruise season. Mm-hmm. And Disney didn't sell out all their ships. Yeah, if you can go from, uh, I mean, it's, I guess it's one thing for one of the other cruise lines, but if Disney's not selling out, that's uh, that's a wake-up call. Well, right. as always, we've discussed, and Rin, you've taught us some interesting things, and um, hopefully the cruise industry will take your advice or... Uh, agree to some kind of a conference. Before we go, um, let's remind listeners about your about your white paper that's on your website, rinmelberg.com. Tell us about the topic and um, how we can get a copy. Sure. Um, if you go to the website, you can click on the link to the white paper and fill out this very, very short form uh, to request it, and then you can download it. Um, and what it is about is just try to make the scaled agile frameworks big picture more accessible. Uh, I've often was hearing from people that it is overwhelming and it looks complicated. And so I was trying to do, much like we, we try to do with all of our topics on the podcast, is talk about it in, in everyday language and make it as accessible as possible because it really isn't that complicated. Um, any company can get and benefit from SAFE. Mm-hmm. That's um, well said, and the paper is very approachable. And, of course, it's free. All you got to do is, I think, uh, enter just a few things, your name and your email, so, um, mm-hmm. so that we know where to send it and um, take it from there. And if you have a topic that you'd like Ren to discuss here on the podcast, contact her directly via her website, which is renmelberg.com. And if you'd like to chat with her, same process. Go to renmelberg.com, and you can contact Ren directly from there. And we mention renmelberg.com because um, the podcast is on iTunes and SoundCloud and those are the places we know about it. Probably turns up in lots of, lots of different spots <laughs> on the internet. Thanks, Ren, for all of your wisdom, and thank those of you who listened for being there. And come back again next week for another edition of the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg.